0: Thanks for tuning in to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic, where we inspire, educate, and provide advice and insights around those who are in the sports business and entertainment industry. Please follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, get your 15% off Suja at SujaOrganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Sujo Organic. Excited for today's episode with our guests with Chad Estes, EVP at Legends, and Eric Sudol, Senior Vice President of Corporate Partnership Sales and Service at the Dallas Cowboys. And we'll get going on this episode on the Ohio University Sports Administration Series, Life After Court Street. Uh, both of you had a fun experience in, in Athens. We'll get to it. Uh, but nonetheless, we both ended up working together at some point as well. So, uh, Chad, we'll start with you because you're a double bobcat, correct? Uh, correct. Undergrad and grad. So, playing basketball at Ohio University, uh, going through the sports ad program walk us through your quick GPS, as Andy would say, uh, with, with your career journey and, um, you know, how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah. So, so I'll hit it quickly. If I wasn't at Ohio U.S. As an undergrad, this would have never happened because I had no clue what the sports business industry was. Uh, so I kind of stumbled on sports ad, thankfully, um, and then uh, did an internship with the Cleveland Cavaliers and then started from there. So, uh, Jim Kaler was a good mentor of mine. So entry-level ticket sales with the Cavs. Uh, then a stint with Buffy Filippel at Teamwork Consulting. Um, then up to Palace Sports Entertainment with uh, John and another sports ad grad. There's a, a theme uh, here. And then onto the Tampa Bay Lightning, working for Michael Yormark, another sports ad uh, grad. Um, back to the Cavs for about an eight-year stint. And then uh, 16-ish years ago, I'm hired by the Cowboys and uh, that resulted in my dual role with the Cowboys and and legends. And that's when um, Eric and I met and our, our careers with the Cowboys have been uh, parallel paths and, uh, and um, quite honestly, you know, for me, you know, dream come true to, to work for a brand like this, a family, like the Jones family projects like AT&T stadium and the star, and then all the cool things we get to do at legends um, it's, uh, I'm having an absolute blast doing it and I'll just add, I uh, wouldn't want to do it with anybody else, but that guy right there, Sudol, we make a good team and, and we love working together.
0: Well, before we get to Eric real quick, what did you think you wanted to do prior to going to Ohio U and finding out about sports business?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So basketball coach was on my radar. Um, and, uh, there's a story about why I dismissed that, but it came down to something around like my livelihood being um, in the hands of 18 year old kids on a basketball court. At some point that became a little less appealing. And then I would tell people I wanted to be in business, um, but back then was so naive and there was less information available, but um, my parents weren't in business. They were school teachers. So, you know, I just thought now I wanna put a suit on and have a briefcase and walk into a business building. I really had no clue. And so sports ad, you know, showed up in my life at a uh, a really good time because it gave me some direction because this thought I had about wanting uh, to wear a suit every day and uh, be in business, then combine that with my love for sports, um, kind of merged. And uh, so I started to figure some things out
0: uh, from there. Amazing. If you were a coach, where where would you have wanted to end up?
1: Well, I, you know, I coached my son in AAU, which Eric came and witnessed once. And, and thankfully I wasn't a coach because the stress level that I, that I put on myself was way too high. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm emotional, uh, in general. So it was, it was not healthy. And, um, but you know, if I had my druthers, you know, put me, put me, uh, down at North Carolina or certainly Bobcat bench would be wonderful, uh, but I was thinking college basketball coach at the time because that was what I was exposed to. Um, but I have two really good friends who do that, and I, I have no envy.
0: I'm I'm glad I'm right where I am. Amazing. Eric, your GPS to where you're at now? We come again? Your GPS to where you're
2: at now. Oh, well, but the, speaking of Andy, the, the, that, uh, Andy was part of my GPS here. You know, maybe not all that dissimilar from uh, Chad, right? I've been fortunate to uh, benefit from, you know, great, uh, Ohio university, uh, graduates. Um, and so my journey started when, uh, when I was at school, We needed an internship, I looked through the directory of, um, all the places that had the most alumni, because I figured that was my best probability of getting an internship. Um, and, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies had, whew, a large number. Don Hardman was there, Mike Kredlick, Andy, probably six to eight, at least, um, at the time. Uh so I had cold called Mike Redlick and uh you know of course you don't expect someone to pick up the phone. Uh he actually did pick up the phone, uh which then of course made me stumble across my words. Um and uh was fortunate enough to get an internship. He said, I'll take you, just can't pay you. Uh but honestly truly one of the best decisions I ever made. And um, you know, so grateful for Mike and uh unfortunately he has passed. But um, you know, Mike gave me an opportunity in my career that um I probably never should have had. Um but uh, you know, and ultimately um you know hired one of my best friends and we we had a great run and uh andy and mike gave me just such a great start um you know and then obviously the introduction chad chad and i had met two times in our life um one time he had come through memphis for a tour mike was giving him a tour we met for about 30 seconds one other time we met uh, after a Cavs game for probably 15 seconds um but it was actually jim kayler who who uh speaking of that who really made the connection i'm so grateful um uh, you know, for that day uh, back in September of '07, when Chad, you know, made the decision to uh, bring me on board. Uh, you know, I also remember that day um, distinctly September 15th, 2007, he says, you're going to be here for 20 months and then we're going to let you go. Are you comfortable with that? I'm like, geez, well, he's direct. Um, uh, but that's uh, one thing I've always appreciated about him. And um, I said, I was because I believe this opportunity at the stadium could could, you know, could catapult uh, my career. Um, little did I know that obviously a good chunk of the career um, would, would remain here. And, you know, I think I always say, you know, I'm fortunate to be here in a, in a crazy way because of the 2008 recession uh, as we're slugging through selling seats and suites and, you know, stumble upon the worst economic situation we any of us had seen. We, of course, you know, our sales came to a grinding halt. Uh, I was doing good enough to, to stay afloat. Uh, and frankly, you weren't going to go anywhere else to get a job anyway. So I uh, didn't have a lot of other options and just kind of staying through that and grinding through that. And, uh, you know, Chad gave me an opportunity to to start to lead people, much to his dismay, mind you. Um, and uh, honestly, it, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, he's never treated me like an, uh, his employee. We, he's always treated me like a, a partner. And uh, we do make a good team. Uh, we've had a lot of fun uh, and successes through the years.
1: What's yeah, I got I to okay. jump in on one crazy twist to, I guess, our stories and Eric's story is when I was 24 years old, maybe, and I'm I'm sitting in Buffy Filippel's house in Shaker Heights, Ohio, as her kind of junior right hand recruiter. And we get a call from Mike Redlick, who's a, I think, lawyer 40 year old lawyer.
2: 42, I think.
1: Yeah. And he says, I want to get into the sports industry. And we both kind of say, well, that's probably not going to happen. And uh, he was pretty persistent. He said, well, can I just come talk to you about it? And uh, so Buffy left me to sit in her living room to talk to Mike Redleck about how a 40 something year old lawyer in Cleveland was going to crack into the sports industry. And I said, all I can think of, my friend, is uh, you go get a grad degree because you don't know anybody. No one's going to look at your resume. He didn't want to be a lawyer anymore. So that wasn't the path. And I said, so you might as well go to grad school and meet some people and see if you can network that way. And he did. Like, that was the crazy part. So he actually did. And then he met Jim Kaler. Jim Kaler gave him a drop at the calves. And, you know, here we are having this discussion. But then Mike Redlick goes on to Memphis and hires Eric. And and um, so just kind of that, you know, from an OU sports ad, close network, you know, paths taken. Pretty, pretty neat little twist to our story.
0: Such an interconnected web. And when you think about the people that you've gone to work for and making those decisions to go work for them, has it been any different working for Bobcats versus you know others at at, at any of your stops?
1: You know, for me, um, people are just people. I mean, their background and and resumes and where they went to school are one thing, but. Um, you know, there was always just a, maybe a familiarity, um, an instant connection, something to talk about. Um, but each of those people I've mentioned, it, it, I don't think I was recruited by them or hired by them because necessarily I was a Bobcat. So I, it's kind of funny when I list that off, how many there are. Uh, there's a lot of them out in the industry. Seems a little circumstantial, but it's an immediate connection point, immediate discussion point, probably some immediate credibility. So I think it's helpful. But I don't, I don't think it's the end-all decision-making point. And, uh, and I don't think it's necessarily any different once you're there. Everybody's a little different in how they lead or treat you. But uh, um, but I, it helps. It, it's a great get-your-foot-in-the-door conversation starter uh, for certain. Eric might have a different yeah. perspective.
2: No, I, I, I agree with that. I think you know if I look back at Mike's um, coaching of Brent Show, who's chief revenue officer of the 49ers, and obviously a very dear friend of mine, of uh, his coaching of, of Brent and myself, um, maybe because we're Bobcats, he, he it was almost a more like, almost um, like a little more like father figure coaching. Like you know, it could be much more um, assertive. I think because he felt a sense of obligation to make sure we got to where we wanted. My gut says that probably didn't exist without the the Ohio uh, thing, um, but I wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: Well, it's one of those things where, yeah, you mentioned, Chad, it's a, it's a foot in the door. But once you get in, it's you're in and then then you got to go go to work. Right. And so right. Uh, four people and, you know, how many times were you actually asked where you went to school <laughs> once once you were into your career? Like probably on a hand, you know, maybe two, three times. Right. Yeah.
1: And I, I that's right. And I we were t- I was in a conversation just the other day about how much. People seem to be looking at resumes less and less on hiring, um, although I've made a point my whole career and certainly my time here with the Cowboys to hire Bobcats just because I want to and I like to. <laughs> and and uh, I'm very fond of my experience at Ohio U, and uh, that, that'll sit with me forever. And uh, so therefore, it feels like a bit of a give back to constantly uh, make an, put an emphasis on um, interviewing and recruiting people uh, that are from Ohio, and by the way, they perform. I mean, we 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 have right. a bunch of them in our organization, and um, you know, high probability they're going to come here and perform. And that's something about the process of selection of students and going all the way back to the Doc Higgins challenging interview process. But um, you know, Ohio use reputation attracts talent, and then when you recruit talent you get, to, you know, you get what you recruited. And so there, that's a, that's an easy, that's a layup for me um, on an emphasis of where we want to recruit from.
0: Let's talk about the interview process real quick. Both of you have been in that sales function, right. For a long time. And as you're interviewing people to either get their foot in the door to come in and start fresh or, Hey, it's come be a, you know, a leader of this team or, or manage people. What are some of your go-to interview questions that you like to ask people to get an understanding of who they are? Go ahead, E.
2: Yeah, I, well, it's funny. Chad and I were having this discussion last week about uh, I, I really look for three things. Um, I call it the 3C rule uh, in hiring. Uh, I call it the care, character, and capacity. And I think is if I look back at some hiring mistakes I've done or, or things where you, you try to be super manager uh, is when, you know, you're trying to get people to care about what they do, and they don't. And you think you know you can reach down and pull them out of the pool, and you know big, be the big superhero. And and frankly, all you find yourself uh, sometimes is that's just pulling you down. Uh, and so I actually quit that. Uh, I'm like, I, I really dig in hard to see if uh, what makes people tick and if they have a genuine uh, uh, motivation, intrinsic motivation, uh, because that. Um, if you have that, there's, there's checkbox ones. And, and then two is character. And of course, that means, you know, uh, having great integrity and things like that. But honestly, you know, one of the things I appreciate about working with Chad uh, is we have fun, right? We enjoy being around each other. Um, and so I want to be around people I enjoy being around, uh, you know, so that ties into character. And I think, you know, one of the, the conversations he and I were having last week is really the last one is capacity. Capacity can mean experience, um, right? And that's one part of it, but it, that's, that's actually not the end all, all be all, right? Um, is do they have capacity to grow? What is their, their, their career ceiling? And, and does that fit with what we're, we're looking for? So I have a number of questions embedded within that, but I'd say that's the framework of kind of the three C's that are prerequisites before you get into any technical aspects of
0: the job. Chad, anything to add on to that? Yeah,
1: I, I like all that. Obviously, uh, two quick hitters to lay, lay to that. Um, uh, you know, I'm looking for someone who I think can come in and be a good teammate. And I think there are certain questions uh, around that, particularly, you know, in sports, you're interviewing a lot of people who have played some level of athletics. So you can kind of dig into what their experience was like, find out if they were a leader. Uh, the other thing that typically comes up in that discussion is adversity and overcoming it. Um, and, uh, so those are two things, um, I put a heavy emphasis on somebody that's coming in and cares more about just themselves and will show care for the people around them. And, uh, and, and, you know, we're going to have adverse situations in business, no matter what. And, uh, I like to pry on if they've had some of that in their life and find out how they've dealt with it. And, uh, that can help you understand how they might react in some of our situations here.
0: From a sales perspective as as you've you know climbed the ladder through your career and gone from individual co- contributor right to manager to leader, what's been the biggest difference for both of you from a personal standpoint how you've managed kind of your change right throughout that process of how do I go from I've got a number to my team has a number to I'm now leading multiple verticals
2: ooh i want to I want to take this one because um Uh, the person on the other person on this line he says you're never going to be a manager you're not you you cannot be a manager and uh so this is about i did utter those words
1: came out of my mouth that's fair
2: yeah this is is not fabricated this is real and i'm like wow and so so finally i said to him one day i said how do you know um, you've asked me to do a job and the job is to be a salesperson and I'm trying to perform at the highest level of a salesperson. If you'd actually give me an opportunity, I could demonstrate to you that I actually could do this. So he, I think, somewhat begrudgingly did it and then it kind of put me in this little, little hybrid role. Um, but I think there there's one key cog as to all these years later, maybe why he said that. And my gut says, that he didn't think that um, I could enjoy the success of my people or not as much more than the sick, my own personal success. And if I look at great leadership, that is probably rule number one at the bottom. And um, I, I, obviously I hope he'd say it's strange. It's been, you know, decades plus, but, uh, uh, oh, that was a beautiful story. So
1: yeah. Yeah, well, you know, probably like Mike Redlick was, I was hard on Eric because he was a bobcat and I knew, I knew he had a high potential. But uh, so I was sending some, some uh, specific messages very directly, uh, which we still do today. Um, but uh, look, I think Eric was speaking to, you know, the, the term I use, which is out in the, the universe of management books and things of that nature, servant leadership, where you turn your attention to others. And, um, and you're really there to help others and and in their job, in their career in their growth. And, um, and that's the role. And, you know, a lot of people that are good at selling or good at dealing with themselves get thrown into those roles. And that transition is difficult. And, um, and look, it's a work in progress for the rest of your life. um, Quite honestly, like there's no, there's no, absolutely no mastering the art, of leadership in business, you're thrown new situations with people um, every day, and uh, it's. I think I find it to be very challenging, but also extremely rewarding. And you really do have to get centered on. I'm here for others, and I'm here to service them. And if that if you yep. start with that base, uh, then you have a pretty good chance. And uh, that's the transition. And we thought, you know, Eric and I now have the knowledge of experiencing that ourselves, and then seeing a lot of other people uh, either struggle with it or, or do well with it but that's a big part of the messaging when we, you know, your first time manager is a term and there's a reason they're going to screw up. They're going to not handle situations well. Um, And uh, and then our job now is to coach those first time managers through those things and offer training inside and outside training uh, to get people through that and over the hump. And um, I love that kind of process, watching that uh, uh, process take hold. And if someone can get very centered on, I'm 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 all about other people and I'm here for them. They've got a really good chance.
0: Chad, when you think about where you're at and where where Eric's at and someone coming up in the industry would look at you and go, "Oh, well they've made it," right? Like they've they've they're in the seat that they want to be in, you know, they've got their team. How do you get better though? How do you challenge yourself to get better because one would look at it and go, "Well, they can just do their job and, you know, continue to go along," but <laughs> Uh, there's always more goals. There's always, uh, to your point, a work in progress. So, for someone listening to go, hey, how does Chad get better? How does Eric get better each day? Uh, what do you focus on?
1: Well, I, I've learned more in the last ten years about business than I have in the first twenty-one years prior to that. And there's no doubt about it. I, you know, one is you get exposed to more. Uh, the more you get involved in different things, and the Jones family has been great with Eric and I about getting us involved in a lot of. Things. So just, you know, Eric's involved in an energy company. I get to spend some time on our real estate projects. I oversee a private membership club, a fitness center, uh, and a co working space. You know, those were things I never thought of when I was slinging tickets in the telemarketing room. So um, you know, we're involved in investment companies, um, so it's you just start to get exposed to more, and you'll learn. And um, it's constant, and it's it's fun. I, you know, Eric's heard me talk about this, but um, you know, if you would have asked me for a long period of time, I was just I want to be president of a team. I used to just say that all the time. It was embedded in my brain. Um, now I just want to work for people that I enjoy working for. I want to be challenged every day. I want to be compensated appropriately, and if I have those three things, what else would I be chasing? And the challenge part's key, though, and that's part of the continued learning. And I'm learning from people. I, you know, I still read, um, but um, you know, there's people that I'm around now that I get exposed to that have had careers and lives very different than mine that I get a chance to pick their brain, and so it's uh, it's constant, um, and it's really exciting. And uh, and then Eric and I. Well, this is one, another great thing about the Jones fan. We both have two jobs. Um, he has a job with an energy company in the Cowboys, and I have a job with the Cowboys and Legends. And so we're flying all over the place, you know, trying to keep it all straight. And, uh, and that becomes part of the fun challenge to it.
2: So, you know, Jake, I'll, I'll, I'll summarize, you know, yeah, you have to work out your brain. Uh, that thirst for knowledge is important it, it keeps us young and the best example is that chad and i have is our owner uh, he's 80 years old sharp as a tack and he works out his brain um and that has to give you those endorphins just like working out your body it does me um uh, it's uh, you know uh, i thrive on it
0: as you think about the the workout piece right of of you know continuing to get better, Eric, like what, what, what do you do? Is is it journaling? Is it meditating? Is it, is it uh, talking to coworkers? Is it connecting with new people? And then Chad, I've got a question for you on, on the business front.
2: Yeah. So I'd say all the above. Matter of fact, we had a speaker um, recently at our um, corporate partnership retreat, just kind of our annual kickoff uh, he actually, this, he's a, uh, a neuroscientist. He actually wrote a book about kind of working out your brain. It's called the activator. I think is the title of the book. I haven't dug into the book. Uh, yeah, but literally that's what his, really his presentation was about. Um, you know, so it really struck a chord with me, but honestly a little bit of everything, right? I like to learn new things uh, to Chad's point about what we've learned in the last 10 years in business. Be a professional. I'll actually equate it to sales, right? That's that's the core of who I am. Uh, That's where I came up. And if I look at the evolution of sales in the last 20 years, the level of business acumen and sophistication it takes to be a successful professional salesperson has gone up exponentially. You want to be a great salesperson? Understand contract law right? You want to be a great salesperson. Not only do you have to understand an industry, the sports industry, you have to understand every industry and how people make money. I often talk about one of our sales reps, Brad Burlingame. He's worked with Chad and I for a long time. Brad always goes into every conversation, understanding how the other person makes money. And so just a level of sophistication and a multifaceted approach makes sense. The other thing too, in the sponsorship world that, you know, I oversee on the cowboy side, right? Sponsorships is no longer just about spots and dots sponsorships can have an impact on your HR uh, aspects, right? Of course, your B2B aspects and, your, and your, uh, it, can, it can touch every department of one's business. And the more our ability to talk about that just beyond marketing and demonstrate a, uh, a more holistic value proposition, the better our probability to make a sale. We've been able to do that. It's one of the reasons our business has grown. Um, I find that fun. Um, so sponsorships, um, marketing's A component now, not just the component.
0: Amazing. And Chad, when you talked about going into a a private club and a fitness, you know, facility and (laughs) you know, an energy drink company, you know, energy company, like these different areas where you quite frankly probably have had no exposure to until walking into it. How do you walk into those conversations for the very first time to learn knowing that you're still in this leadership role where you're walking into it having to eventually probably make decisions?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, one is you go in uh, with an openness to learn. So if there's people at the table that maybe have some experience, regardless of what level or your title or whatever, you just start asking open-ended questions and learning. Um, And then at some point, um, you have to just be decisive and go with your gut. And uh, you know we work for entrepreneurs here, and uh, they don't really care that you don't have any experience. They expect you to go in there and figure it out. Um, so listening, uh, if, if you can um, call around the industry, talk to people that have experienced it before. You know we do a lot of things though that are kind of first time things, which I love. Uh, where you actually be like, there's kind of nobody to call, um, and then and then you're taking risks and chances, and you have to. Um, go with your instincts and be decisive and then adjust when you know we have things that haven't gone so well or started out not going so well. And we had to tweak it and adjust. Um, and then he, and then you need to hire well. For example, that private membership club that I spoke to, we hired an expert that was running a Soho house in LA and she came in and, and then you, you let her do her thing. Um, so, so that's the other thing is you got to surround yourself. I am surrounded constant with people that can do their jobs better than I could do their jobs. And and you need to get your ego out of the way and recognize that. And uh, that's probably pretty much across the board for me, except like maybe my pure sweet spot, you know, of running tickets and suites, which I did for a long time. I'd say I could do that pretty well, but um, you know, the person who runs our media department, um, he knows more about broadcast media than I'll ever figure out in my lifetime. So I don't try and tell him specifically how to do that. I try and guide him and and mentor him on people, leadership, and other things. Eric, quite honestly, will run circles around me on the sponsorship front. He's one of the best I've ever seen. So, you know, I don't try and tell him how to do that. I'm there to support him in many other ways. So, um, you know, I I will say, I'll tell you, there's unfortunately in our industry, a lot of people, a lot of people uh, get hit with the ego bug too much. And uh, our industry, because there's a little bit of glitz and glamour and some spotlight and interest can do that. Um, I'm just a big believer. You got to, you got to stay humble, surround yourself with people better than you. And I find my success has been built off having extremely talented people around me. And, um, and that's how I feel about it.
2: Eric, anything hey Jake, in that? chat? Yeah, Chad's notorious. Um, when he doesn't, when he goes into a situation, uh, he's all, he always can be smooth and he has a question, he'll always answer a question question with a question. I'm like, hold on. I just asked you a question.
0: (laughs) That's it. By the way, that's his move. Uh, Avoid avoid one answer, and then ask the one that you really want to know. Eat a life.
1: (laughs) Ask open-ended questions. You'll you'll do all right. It's hard to screw things up. Uh,
2: I think he summarized that so well. I'll, I'll give a quick story on the taking over of the energy company because I think it just really um, reiterates what he said. You know, Stephen Jones had asked me about the energy company. And I said, Stephen, I don't uh, know. I don't even really know what a kilowatt hour is. Um, And he's like, I I don't think you need to. And I'm like, okay. Um, But he said, he said two things I think that exemplify the culture of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the entrepreneurial spirit of uh, our owners. And then obviously how that transcends to our culture he says, you've been around here long enough to understand the standard of this brand. I'm like, yeah, I got that down. He goes, okay, good. He goes, deliver that and go get the best people in the world. Oh, okay, I mean, maybe I can do this. Sure. And you know, and you know what? It's, uh, it's, 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 it's worked. And you know, we're just so fortunate to go back to his point about not even what you do, but who you work for, that you know the level of faith and trust in they have in us uh, to do that. Um, it's rewarding. It means a great deal.
0: As we start to wrap up the episode, I want to ask how you guys, you guys have talked so much about people, right? Throughout this episode, how do you seek out when you, when you're, when you were looking for that role, right? And, and obviously Eric, you met Chad and, and the rest is history there, but like early on, you're trying to ask questions. You're trying to seek things out and people to go, man, would I like to work for this person do, do they have the thought process or the ceiling that, you know, they can continue to help me grow? Like, what are those things that you're looking for in people? And what are the questions you're asking to figure that out? Because it's probably pretty easy to kind of mask that a little bit throughout the interview process, right? You're not going to necessarily find out everything, um, you know, until you get in the door and get your badge and, and go from there. Yeah. I'll start
2: on that one. I think the the answer, is, as we go throughout life, uh, priorities change, right? What was important to me from a career standpoint, you know, twenty years ago or whatever, is obviously uh, differs um, as as life changes. One thing I appreciate about Chad and the Jones family is just an understanding of that. Um, the other thing I would appreciate I appreciate about our culture tied to this is. When someone has a priority uh, that we cannot fulfill for that person, right, we do everything in our power to get them to the right spot that does make them most self-fulfilled. Because if we always keep it about the people, even if that means we lose talent, we will win. Scott Urban runs sponsorship sales for the Las Vegas Raiders. Tyler Potts runs sponsorship sales for the LA Rams. You're talking about two exceptional talents, not average talents, exceptional talents. Uh, it is absolutely in the Dallas Cowboys best interest not to lose either one of those folks, but based on what was important to them, that was best for them. And we work at a situation where not, we're going to go so far. We're going to be their agent, if you will, to get them into that right spot. Um, that speaks to, um, knowing you're working for the right people. And I know this, Scott Urban and Tyler Potts specifically, they're forever for grateful for that. And that stuff comes back uh, full circle. And so, um, and I also know that if I went to Chad and, and Steven or whoever, and personally I had, hey, here's my priorities in, in, in life that have shifted, they would do right by me above the business. That is hard to find. And of course I drink inordinate amounts of the blue Kool-Aid uh, here through the years, but it's that right there, his leadership, the Jones's leadership that make this such a special place. And honestly, one of the catalysts is to the brand growth. There are many things that help promote our brand but it always starts with the people and doing the people right.
1: Yeah, so Jake, I, I think it's an interesting question. I, I, I have a bit of a, maybe a little bit of a different take um, is I think Eric said it, the priorities change. I, I I have this perspective that in the first 10-ish years of your career, you shouldn't overly emphasize this um, because um, if you're just searching for, I want to work for just great people, people say that all the time. One, it's hard to know, to your point, until you really get there. Secondly, some of my best lessons in my business career have been learned from being treated in ways that I didn't appreciate, and uh, and those are the moments in time where I thought to myself, "Man, if I get a chance, um, I'm going to try to not make someone feel this way. I'm going to handle that situation differently." I'm glad I saw other sides of it, um, other than just if I was, for example, I hold Stephen Jones in the highest regard for his style of leadership. If that's all I've had in my whole career, it'd be hard for me to decipher even how, how, how good that is. Uh, so I like that I've had some balance. I think the first 10 years are more about, are you making strides in your experience? Even if you're in some challenging situations are not with the greatest brand or not with the greatest organization, but if you've been given more responsibility to learn and grow, uh, I think that's what you're, you should be seeking, uh, in that period of your career. When you get to a place where you say, you know, I can take care of a family, I've built a lifestyle um, that I'm comfortable with, not complacent, but comfortable with, you know, I've kind of come through the masses and I'm a a VP of something. And then I think you can decide to be a little more selective. You can say, I might want to live in the South or I might want to be with an NBA team because I like basketball or what have you. When I hear 23-year-old people say those things, I get a little frustrated. Um, because I don't think at that point in your career, you should be, you know, you should be, you should be willing to make some sacrifices for the growth. And, um, you know, when I landed here, I thought I was going to be here for about three, three and a half years. And, uh, I found an incredible fit with the Jones family style, um, and all the like, the growth, the entrepreneurial spirit, the fun, the sales mentality, sales culture. I could list 10 things that I was like, man, this fits me. And so here I am 16 years later, and I wouldn't have known that. I took the job because the project was big and the Jones family had great passion, and I thought it was another good step in my career. And then I found a great fit as a result.
0: Incredible. I mean, guys, we could go on for for hours, right? But um, really appreciate your time. We have to wrap up the episode, though, with a little bit of rapid fire. So uh, hopefully you're ready. But... Uh, Chad, we'll start with you. If you couldn't play basketball in college, what other sport would you have played? Golf. Eric, you were a five-sport athlete, I, I read. Uh, what was your What was your favorite sport? Ooh, eventually football.
1: Athlete's an aggressive term for him.
0: <laughs> and golf's
2: an aggressive uh, second sport for Chad.
0: Chad, handicap? Are you 2. nine. Oh, what? Excuse me? 2.9.
1: You looked it up. 2.9.
0: Yep. Wow. We're going to have to get out on the course. All right. Uh, Eric, best stadium you've been to? Outside of AT&T? Of course.
2: Yeah. Um uh, Well, I also have a, a strong bias. I spent an inordinate amount of time on uh, Allegiant Stadium with the Raiders. It's it, uh, it's remarkable. Uh, SoFi is right up there as well.
1: Chad, best stadium? at and is the best, and SoFi is a close second.
0: Okay. Eric, if there's one stadium you have not been to that you've wanted to go to at some point, where would you want to go? Stadium, arena? Uh,
2: Arrowhead. Arrowhead. I've not been.
0: Chad? Azteca. Forgive me, but where is that? Mexico. Mexico okay. City. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Last one. Last one for you guys. Best uh, late night spot on Court Street in Athens. Burrito buggy all day.
2: (laughs) Oh, I was going to say Court Street pizza, but that burrito buggy's
0: probably got it. Burrito buggy it is. Well, Chad, Eric, really appreciate the insights, perspectives, uh, stories, advice. It's been incredible to talk to you guys today uh, and certainly welcome you on any time in the future. Uh, but best of luck in your journeys uh, going forward and go Bobcats.
1: Thanks, Jay. Take care. Appreciate it. Thanks
0: for the opportunity. Thanks for tuning into today's episode on the life in the front office podcast presented by studio organic. Remember to leave a review on Apple podcasts and Spotify subscribe and follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at life in the front office. And don't forget to get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And stay tuned for next Monday's episode with a new guest and new content.